Mother Shafto kept track of her boy's ages on her fingers, of which there were six. When she ran short of fingers, that is, when Dick, the eldest and wisest, was nearing his seventh summer, she gathered the half-brothers together in her shack on the Isle of Dogs and told them to be gone and not to come back without bread or money. This was a typically East London approach to child-rearing, and so Dick, Bob, and Jack found themselves roaming the banks of the Thames in the company of many other boys who were also questing for bread or money with which to buy back their mother's love. London was a few miles away, but to them as remote and legendary as the court of the great mogul in Shah Jahanabad. The Shafto boys' field of operations was an infinite maze of brickworks, pig yards, and shacks, crammed sometimes with Englishmen and sometimes with Irishmen, living ten and twelve to a room among swine, chickens, and geese. The Irish worked as porters and dockers and coal haulers during the winter and trudged off to the countryside in haymaking months. They went to their papist churches every chance they got and frittered away their silver, paying for the services of scribes, who would transform their sentiments into the magical code that could be sent across countries and seas to be read by a priest or another scrivener to dear old Ma in Limerick. In Mother Shafto's part of town, that kind of willingness to do a day's hard work for bread and money was taken as proof that the Irish race lacked dignity and shrewdness, and this did not even take into account their religious practices and all that flowed from them, e.g. the obstinate chastity of their women and the willingness of the males to tolerate it. The way of the mudlarks, as the men who trafficked through Mother Shafto's bed styled themselves, was to voyage out upon the Thames after it got dark, find their way aboard anchored ships somehow, and remove items that could be exchanged for bread, money, or carnal services on dry land. Techniques varied. The most obvious was to have someone climb up a ship's anchor cable and then throw a rope down to his mates. This was a job for surplus boys if ever there was one. Dick, the oldest of the shaftos, had learnt the rudiments of the trade by shinning up the drainpipes of whorehouses to steal things from the pockets of vacant clothing. He and his little brothers struck up a partnership with a band of these freelance longshoremen who owned the means of moving swag from ship to shore. They had accomplished this stupendous feat of stealing a longboat. After approaching several anchored ships with this general plan in mind, they learned that the sailors aboard them, who were actually supposed to be on watch for mudlarks, expected to be paid for the service of failing to notice that young Dick Shafto was clambering up the anchor cable with one end of a line tied round his ankle. When the captain found goods missing, he'd be sure to flog these sailors, and they felt that they should be compensated in advance for the loss of skin and blood. Dick needed to have a purse dangling from one wrist, so that when a sailor shone a lantern down into his face and aimed a blunderbuss at him, he could shake it and make the coins clink together. That was a music to which sailors of all nations would smartly dance. Of course, the mudlarks lacked coins to begin with. They wanted capital. John Cole, the biggest and boldest of the fellows who'd stolen the longboat, hit upon another shrewd plan. They would steal the only parts of ships that could be reached without actually getting aboard first, namely anchors. They'd then sell them to the captains of ships who had found their anchors missing. This scheme had the added attraction that it might lead to ships drifting down the current and running aground on, oh, say the Isle of Dogs, at which point their contents would be legally up for grabs. One foggy night, but all nights were foggy, the mudlark set off in the longboat, rowing upstream. The mudlark term for a boat's oars was a pair of wings. 
Flapping them, they flew among anchored ships. All of them pointed upriver, since the anchor cables were at their bows and they weather-rocked in the river's current. Nearing the stern of a tubby Dutch galliot, a single-masted trader of perhaps twice their longboat's length and ten times its capacity, they tossed Dick overboard with the customary rope noosed around his ankle and a knife in his teeth. His instructions were to swim upstream alongside the galliot's hull towards the bow until he found her portside anchor cable descending into the river. He was to lash his ankle rope to said cable and then saw through the cable above the lashing. This would have the effect of cutting the galliot free from, while making the longboat fast to, the anchor, affecting a sudden and silent transfer of ownership. This accomplished, he was to jerk on the rope three times. The mudlarks would then pull on the rope. This would draw them upstream until they were directly over the anchor, and if they hauled hard enough, the prize would come up off the riverbed.